Before I start today, I just want to mention that this is an episode that, under other circumstances, that is, not during Black History Month, that I would probably be publishing as a bonus episode instead. But I feel very strongly when I am presenting artists of color that I want this to reach the widest possible audience, so I am not going to put this behind a paywall. But I will mention that I do have a Patreon page and that I do rely very, very strongly on the financial support of my listeners. So if you are so inspired to make an ongoing contribution to the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash countermelody and pledge either a monthly or a once a year amount. In doing so, you will gain access to all of my bonus episodes, including one that I just posted a few days ago on the pop stylings of that great opera diva, Maria Ewing, who was featured on last week's episode. Thanks again for listening and for supporting the podcast. Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. As always, I am your host, Daniel Gundlach. No preaching here, no lecturing, well, maybe just a tiny bit of each, but the primary spotlight will always be on the singers that enrich and enhance our lives, no matter what is going on in the world around us. Thanks for joining me. And now, this week's episode. Hello, my dear listeners. You know it's not like me to do anything haphazardly, but I am throwing together this episode to a greater or lesser extent because it's Black History Month and I love giving my listeners what they want to hear. So, I have something very special for you today. As I mentioned last week, the Friday episodes during February will be of opera and classical singers, and the Tuesday episodes will be of important pop singers. So, I have three really special ones planned for you, and here is the first one. Do you know who this is? Think of your fellow man, then him a helping hand. Put a little love in your heart You see it's getting late Oh please don't hesitate Put a little love in your heart And the world Will be a better place And the world Will be a better place For you And me Just you wait 
Yes, my friends, that was Leslie Uggams, the extraordinarily versatile and gifted singer and actor who has been in show business since the age of six, given that she was born in 1943. That would seem to indicate to me that even before the 1950s, she was already working. Now, before we go to the beginnings of her career, I'd just like to offer you two further examples of her versatility and incredible skill as a performer. That first song, of course, was Put a Little Love in Your Heart by Jackie DeShannon, which was the theme song to the Leslie Uggams show, which I will get into a little bit later. The, what we're going to hear next is Carol King and Jerry Goffin's song Up on the Roof, which is a real favorite of mine. This is an excerpt from a one-woman stage production that she did in the early 2010s called Uptown Downtown, and she's accompanied here by the guitarist Steve Bargonetti. When I come home feeling tired and beat, I go up where the air is fresh and sweet. I get away from the hustle and crowds and all that rat race noise down in the street on the roof is the only place i know where you just have to songs like that, she also can belt out a Broadway showstopper like nobody else. 
This is an excerpt from a review of Jerry Herman material that was called Jerry's Girls, in which Leslie Uggams co-starred with Carol Channing and Andrea McArdle. This is her wonderful version of I Am What I Am from La Cage aux Folles. Uggams remains very much before the public eye in so many different ways. You know, I have absolutely zero interest in, I don't even know what you call them, superhero movies. I really don't like them. But there's one called Deadpool, and now there are two Deadpools. And 
Leslie Uggams has a featured supporting role as, I guess, the roommate of Ryan Reynolds, foul-mouthed, blind, I don't know because I haven't seen it, but evidently it's won her lots of new fans. And so many of those people don't even realize that Leslie Uggams is also a singer. In fact, for me, I still think of her primarily as a singer. She's also appeared recently on this series called Empire. I don't watch TV. I don't go to the movies Sorry. Anyway, for those of you who have seen it, she evidently plays the matriarch of this family, and she's, well, let's just say a force to be reckoned with because her character is quite terrifying. Anyway, she also appeared in a tribute to the late Jerry Herman in which she also sang, I Am What I Am. Now, there's another thing for which Leslie Uggams is very, very famous. It's her famous slash notorious slash hilarious performance of June is Bustin' Out All Over from a 4th of July performance on the Washington Mall in 1984. All viewers knew at the time was that Leslie Uggams went up on the words in the most spectacularly bizarre fashion. Nobody really knew what the story was until she came out with it a number of years ago. Evidently, there had been an enormous amount of rainfall that day, and the grass on the mall was, to put it mildly, precarious. And the guy holding the cue cards fell flat on his ass, and the cue cards went flying. So she simply, shall we say, improvised rather creatively the lyrics. For those of you who by some weird chance, haven't heard it, this is it. June is busting out all over, all over the meadow and the hill. But the butts and out of bushes and the rumbling river riches all the little wheels that will beside a mill. June is busting out all over, all over the mother day to tell. For me, and for those who know the backstory now, this is merely a tribute to her enormous professionalism. Professionalism that, as I mentioned, went back to her first appearances on television in 1949 at the age of six. She was born in Harlem, the daughter of a former Cotton Club dancer and a father who was an elevator operator and a maintenance man who also sang with the Hall Johnson Choir. Paul Johnson, as we remember, was a very important influence, inspiration, and mentor to previous singers I have featured on the podcast, Shirley Verrett and Charles Holland, among many others. Leslie has cited the influence and support and encouragement of her aunt, Eloise Uggams, as a primary force in propelling her towards a career in performance. Eloise was one of the original players in Blackbirds of 1928, and her career on Broadway lasted through 1953, when she appeared in Porgy and Bess, which of course starred Leontine Price and William Warfield. There is a plethora of material 
of Leslie Uggams appearing on television and on stage over the course of more than seven decades. I think the first extant thing that one can see is her appearance on Paul Whiteman's show that was called The TV Teen Club. She is aged eight here, and she is performing a, I don't know if we call it a boogie-woogie version of Rockabye Baby. Maybe that's what that particular musical style is called. Anyway, this performance dates from the 9th of February, 1952. By the way, it's also worth looking up on YouTube because she is absolutely adorable. Just a bundle of energy and verve as she has remained throughout her entire career. Well, let's run along with the show now. All right, now we have a little girl. She's eight years old from New York City. Her name is Leslie Uggams, and Leslie attends the Wally Wanger School in New York. She does? Yes, and she's a very wonderful little singer, and she's uh, going to play babysitter tonight. Going to be a babysitter. That's right. Well, that's a tough job. Let's find out about it, huh? Okay. television on a single episode of Beulah, which at the very beginning starred Ethel Waters as the title character, or as some people insist on calling it, the titular character. I refuse to use that word. It drives me nuts. The title character of Beulah. She also appeared on Arthur Godfrey, on a show called Stars and Stardust, on The Lawrence Welk Show, on Name That Tune, and also at the Apollo in Harlem. And the entire time that she was doing this work, according to her own testimony, shall we say, she was soaking up the work of these performers like a sponge. And she saw 
people as varied as Ella Fitzgerald, Dinah Washington, all of these people. Ethel Waters was someone who she said was particularly kind to her, although she did not have a reputation for kindness, but maybe because she was dealing with an absolutely adorable child, she was more kindly disposed. I don't know. I can't remember if I've played any Ethel Waters on the podcast yet, but I do want to play one little excerpt from Ethel Waters' first recording in 1921. This was for the legendary Black Swan label, and it was their very first release. At this point, Ethel Waters was sultry, slinky, and quite svelte. I believe they called her the string bean, and she was also quite notorious for her carryings on with other women. This is, of course, worlds away from the pious, sedate, and rather sedentary woman that we know from the 50s and beyond. But here she is singing from that record, Down Home Blues. Recorded in 1921. Leslie Uggams had also begun a recording career. One of her early releases was on MGM Records. It was a 45 with novelty Christmas songs on it. The first side of this record was a reworking of Eartha Kitt's hit Santa Baby, redubbed Uncle Santa. I so wish I had been able to find a copy of this, but I did get a copy of the flip side, which is also... Well, a novelty Christmas number. And that's a song called The Fat Fat Man with a White White Beard. So here's just a very short excerpt from that recording, which is from 1954. She was aged 10 at the time that she recorded it. Guess who's coming to your house? Guess who's coming to mine? The Fat Fat Man with the White White Beard is coming I think I had mentioned that Leslie Uggams appeared on Name That Tune 
Well, when she was a contestant on that show, she was invited also to sing a song. And so she sang a religious song. I think it was the Lord's Prayer. She was observed by Columbia Records A&R man Mitch Miller, who of course became even more famous to the general public in the late 50s and early 60s because of his television show Sing Along with Mitch. Anyway, he was so taken with Leslie Uggams that he signed her to Columbia Records, and her first release was something called The Eyes of God. It was a record of vaguely religious songs. Let's call them spiritual songs. One of those songs, which even then was a very famous number, which I don't really like very much, but it was a big success for her. It's called I Believe, and I'm just going to play you a very short clip of it. The thing to bear in mind here is that one of the four composers of this song was a guy named Irvin Drake, who also earlier had contributed words to Billie Holiday's song Good Morning Heartache. I believe for every drop of rain that falls, a flower grows. A flower grows. I believe that somewhere in the darkest night, a candle glows. A candle glows. I believe for everyone who We're going to encounter Irvin Drake a couple more times over the course of this episode, but for now, we will just set him aside, and he will re-emerge, as I said, in a few minutes. Now, another big hit that she had in 1959 was of a song called One More Sunrise. It's by the German composer Peter Mösser. The English words are by Noel Sherman. One more sunrise, one more day to get through.
And so I often note about these pieces that begin life in one language and then find success in a translated version. These versions often bear very little resemblance to each other in terms of affect or emotional content. That's definitely true of the difference between One More Sunrise and the original called Morgen, which has much more in common with the Richard Strauss song of the same title, in terms of affect, of course, not musical style or content. But both of those songs offer a hopeful version of the future, unlike the doleful version offered in One More Sunrise. Here's a tiny bit of that song, just so you can make the comparison. Morgen, 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 wird das alles vergehen. Morgen, 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 morgen wird das Leben Though her own Broadway debut was still almost a decade away, around this time, Leslie Uggams began adding into her repertoire certain Broadway standards. In 1959, she did a wonderfully popped-up version of 16 Going on 17 from The Sound of Music, which at the time, of course, was a spanking brand new Broadway hit. Let's just listen to a short excerpt from this. The orchestra here is led by Frank Duvall, a name which some of you may have encountered before. I am 16, going on 17. I know that I'm naive. Fellows I meet may tell me I'm sweet and will. Innocent as a rose Bachelor dandies Drinkers of brandies What do I know of those? Totally unprepared am I To face a world of men Timid and shy And scared am I of things beyond my ken. I need someone older and wiser telling me what to do. You are 17, going on 18. Now, just to keep with the Rodgers and Hammerstein theme for a moment, I'm going to play you just a tiny bit of Leslie Uggams appearing at 54 Below 
the Cabaret Club in Manhattan in the year 2014. Here she is singing just a portion of Hello Young Lovers, accompanied only by percussion. Do you know how it feels to have wings on your heels and to fly down the street in a dress? You fly down the street on a chance that you meet and you meet not really by chance. Don't you cry, young lover, whatever you do, don't cry because I'm alone. All of my memories are happy tonight. I've had a love of my own. I've had a love of my own like yours. mentioned earlier that Leslie Uggams was a real pathbreaker and one of the most significant ways in which she took on that mantle was when Mitch Miller engaged her to appear with him on his newly minted television show Sing Along with Mitch. Now for those of you who don't know what Sing Along with Mitch was, well, It was a very distinctive kind of sound. It was this gang. In fact, it was called Mitch Miller and the Gang. These guys singing in close harmony, usually accompanied by accordion, harmonica, and maybe a little bit of percussion. Leslie Uggams found her first national success appearing as a regular on that show. But... Mitch Miller had to fight the networks. He had to fight the affiliates in the South who did not want to see a young black woman appearing alongside a bunch of middle-aged white guys. First, they wanted to be able to cut out her segments for airings in the Southern states. And Mitch Miller refused. And because the show was such an enormous hit against all expectations. Mitch Miller had more than a little bit of clout, and he used it. He said, if she goes, I'm killing the show. And in fact, her segments were some of the most popular parts of the show and responsible in great part for its enormous success. So, through the advocacy of Mitch Miller, she became... I believe, after Nat King Cole, the first African-American entertainer to appear on network television in an integrated context. Because Mitch Miller was associated with Columbia Records, he also oversaw two further releases from Leslie Uggams, which featured music that was heard on the TV show. I'm instead going to play you something from the show itself, which was not released on any of the Columbia LPs. This is on the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe, because I think it's a more appropriate song for showing what that style was. So 
take it away, Leslie and gang. Do you hear that whistle down the line? I think it's at its engine number 49. She's the only one that'll sound that way. On the access in Topeka and the Santa Fe. See the old smoke rising round the bend. Need a friend, folks around these parts get the time of day. From the actress in Topeka and the Santa Fe, here she comes. Hey, Slim, you better get the ring. She's got a list of passengers, but pretty big, and they all want lips to brown. You can hear that at the age of only 18, Leslie Uggams already had a really powerful and fully developed voice. I mean, that's been apparent from the very beginning, even when she was rockabying her baby at the age of eight. But I find it strange to go back and listen to those records and hearing her singing songs like Blues in the Night and Birth of the Blues and things like this with this completely four-square kind of backing. So these things are readily available if you want to listen to some of them. And again, her performance is wonderful. I just always was a little bit allergic to Sing Along with Mitch. I grew up with this and it was not a favorite of mine. That doesn't mean it can't be something that you might all enjoy, so feel free to look it up. She continued to make other albums and singles for Columbia. One of my favorites is this sort of Calypso number called Little Bird, which was written by Dale Hawkins. He was a singer, songwriter, and guitarist who wrote a lot of songs, including many such as Suzy Q. The style of music in which he trafficked was evidently called Swamp Boogie Woogie, so make of that what you will. To me, Little Bird sounds more Calypso than Swamp Boogie Woogie, but what do I know? Just enjoy it, because it's fab. Little Bird,
1963, Leslie Uggams was considering how she was going to continue her career as she moved out of child star and teeny popper into adult womanhood. I think that her 1963 Columbia Records release, So in Love, has to be seen in that context because she's singing a lot of American pop standards and in much classier arrangements, let's face it, than she was getting in Sing Along with Mitch. Now, I have a particular affection for the next song I'm going to play for you. It's Once Upon a Time by none other than Charles Strauss and Lee Adams, most famous from our perspective, I would say, for Bye Bye Birdie and a number of other Broadway hits. Once upon a time, a boy with moonlight in his eyes Put his hand in mine And said he loved me so But that was once upon a time Very long ago all the stars and waiting for the dawn but that was once upon a time now the tree is gone how the breeze ruffled through his hair How we always laughed as though tomorrow wasn't there We were young and didn't have a care In 1962, Leslie Uggams also appeared in a film called Two Weeks in Another Town, which is a blistering takedown of the film industry. It's directed by Vincent Minnelli, and it stars Kirk Douglas, Edward G. Robinson, and Sid Gerice. And it's about making a film in, I think it's in Rome, but it's somewhere in Italy. Anyway, Leslie Uggams appears on screen as a lounge singer singing this song, Don't Blame Me, by Jimmy McHugh and Dorothy Fields. Now, I think Dorothy Fields is going to turn up again in a little bit. But anyway, this is a great song, and this is the performance as is heard in the soundtrack to Two Weeks in Another Town. A great movie, by the way, if you don't know it. Don't blame 
Mitch Miller, Leslie Uggams became one of the most popular guest performers on various variety shows and the like. And you can search these out on YouTube for hours upon hours of delightful viewing and listening. Leslie Uggams, as I've said before, was not only one of the most vocally gifted singers out there, but one of the most hardworking While Leslie Uggams was touring Australia, she became reacquainted with a man with whom she had gone to the professional children's school in New York. His name is Graham Pratt, and he is Australian, and the couple married in 1965. And this was evidently a highly controversial move, if you will that got her a lot of very negative publicity at the time. But they have remained married, so more power to them as they are closing in on nearly 60 years of marriage. So he who laughs last, laughs best. Her big chance came in 1967 when she was asked to take the main part in a new musical called Hallelujah Baby that had been intended for Lena Horne, but which she had turned down. The creators, Julie Stein, Betty Condon, and Adolph Green, were delighted 
to have Leslie Uggams on board. And in fact, she won a Tony for her first role on Broadway. Best Actress in a Musical, 1968. Let's listen to the absolutely beautiful ballad, My Own Morning, from that show. I want a door that belongs to me. I want a bed that belongs to me. I want to know when I climb into bed, I wake up in my belongs to me I wanna know when I rock in that chair I look up at my own ceiling and oh what a feeling that's gonna be the golden hours waiting in
Leslie Uggams was next engaged for Broadway for a highly anticipated new musical called Her First Roman, which was based on George Bernard Shaw's Caesar and Cleopatra. The music, lyrics, and book for this show were by none other than Irvin Drake, who of course also composed the song I Believe. Expectations for the show were very high because it starred not only Leslie Uggams, but as Caesar, Richard Kiley, who a few years previous had had such an enormous success with Men of La Mancha. Perhaps also the hope was that lightning might strike twice vis-a-vis a George Bernard Shaw-based musical and yield another My Fair Lady. During the out-of-town tryouts, however, the show underwent significant revision, and evidently, instead of getting better, got worse. It got devastatingly bad reviews and closed after only two weeks on Broadway. But, and this is so fascinating, in 1993, on the occasion of the 25th anniversary of the show, which never got an original cast recording, both Leslie Uggams and Richard Kiley went into the studio to record a new cast album, a 25th anniversary cast album of her first Roman. We get to hear the whole score, and some of it is actually quite charming, including a rather imperious song called Many Young Men From Now, which Leslie Uggams sings from that 1993 recording. The orchestra here is led by Wayne Moore. I'll find the right young man, many young men from now. My every night young man, many young men from now. The face of Apollo, the head nicely hollow, the fellow who Many young men from now Handsome society Many young men from now But I'll do the choosing Of those most amusing Without once reusing Any young men from now When I want men to adore me I'll ding-dong a bell my moods keep changing I'll change the personnel I'll be the lonely one Many young men from now Tied down to only one Many young men from now Though I'll be resigned to The man I'm confined to There's time to be kind to in fleets of ships but when they touch my shore I'll drive them off with whips keeping at most a score and you may believe me not one loss will grieve me the leaving should leave me many young men from now I'll keep inspiring young poets to write of my charms the moment they stop writing they lose their little arms I plan to fascinate 
many young men from now, but I'll assassinate any who break their vow. The heads of the fickle shall roll with a trickle. My sickle should tickle many young men from now, dear Caesar. You'll be my old king, my wise king. The king I love best. I'll always entertain you with stories of the rest. When I am old and gray, many young men from now, then you may walk my way, many young men from now. Yes, you may collect me to guide and direct me, but please don't expect me. By this time, Leslie Uggams had switched her record company alliances from Columbia to Atlantic Records, who released three really wonderful LPs with her, a number of singles, and evidently there were plans for a fourth LP release, which never saw the light of day. I may have a little something more to say about that in a bit. From her second Atlantic Records release, called, rather hideously, What's an Uggams. Don't even get me going on the ickiness of that title. But she recorded two songs from her first Roman. as a highly anticipated show. Everybody thought it was going to be like My Fair Lady or something. And as we know, it wasn't. But here's a version of the song The Wrong Man from that record, What's an Uggams. And the orchestra is arranged and conducted by Peter Matz. Who remembers Peter Matz? Well, for one thing, he's the conductor and arranger on the first three Barbra Streisand albums, and that's a big deal as far as I'm concerned. But he also orchestrated the score for Hallelujah Baby and did all the arrangements as well as conducting the orchestra on the first two of Leslie Uggams's Atlantic releases. Here she is in the song The Wrong Man from Irving Drake's Her First Roman. The arrangement is by Peter Matz, who conducts the orchestra. I found a man, an older man, like no man on earth. And I intend to hold the man, for I know his worth. The world may call it wrong, but I must disagree.
So, are you guys ready for another way in which Leslie Uggams made television history? In the summer of 1969, she was, at that point, living in California, developing a series for CBS when she was contacted quite suddenly and told that she was going to be given her own variety series. It emerged that it was to be a replacement for The Smothers Brothers, an extremely popular show which CBS was canceling because of the active stance that the brothers took against the Vietnam War. And who in 1969 was going to object to them being replaced by this lovely black girl who was going to be given her own variety show. In fact, the very first such instance in television history. So it was kind of uh, a sideswipe, if you will, a backhanded compliment because they had no intention of continuing with the show beyond its 10 weeks as a summer replacement series. But let me tell you that as a little boy in Watertown, Wisconsin, I was riveted to the television set every Sunday night for 10 weeks during that summer. And I watched every episode of The Leslie Uggams Show, and I adored everything about it. I don't know how many other little white boys in Watertown, Wisconsin, were watching The Leslie Uggams Show with such fervent dedication as I was. But the show proved to be much more popular than CBS had anticipated. But in spite of that, they still canceled it. Anyway, the sound of Leslie Uggams that I have in my mind is still of her doing those wonderful 60s pop arrangements of a real wide variety of songs. So I'm sure you can just imagine how my love for Leslie Uggams was reignited when I recently got copies of all three of those Atlantic albums, which are just delightful from start to finish. So I'm going to offer you a few tracks from off of those records. I hope you enjoy them as much as I do. Are you ready? The first is a song by Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller called Some Cats Know. And this is, again, from the Watson Uggams album. Oh my God, this could not be more 
Next is the album Just to Satisfy You from 1969, which was released as a tie-in to the television series. In fact, the back of the record tells you, well, I'll tell you what it says here. Watch the Leslie Uggams show every Sunday night on CBS TV. And she does some pretty great stuff here. The one that I have picked to offer you is another Carol King, Jerry Goffin song called That Old Sweet Roll, Heidi Ho, which, of course, I know best from Dusty's version from Dusty in Memphis. But this is also a pretty darn good version. Heidi Ho, Heidi Gonna get me a piece of a He was mighty slim Tempted me with worthy good Said I could have my pick But when he laid the paper on me And he showed me where to sign I said thank you very kindly But I'm in too great a need of mine Singing Now I'm going to play you two tracks from Leslie Uggams' first album for Atlantic Records. It's called A Time to Love. Here's the first track from that, If My Friends Could See Me Now, by Cy Coleman and Dorothy Fields, from, of course, Sweet Charity, which was a big hit from exactly that same time period. <laughs> 
Here's Leslie Uggams, and again, it's a fantastic arrangement, and it's by none other than Peter Matz. If they could see me now, that little gang of mine, I'm eating fancy chow and drinking fancy wine. I'd like those folks at home to see for that. The kind of top draw first rate chums I attract. All I can say is, wow, we look at where I am tonight. I landed, pow, right in a pot of jam. Hey, what is that up? Holy cow, they'd never believe it. Here is a really strange rock and roll version, which was the closing track of that same record. This is the Harold Arlen Ted Kohler song, Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea, that standard from the Great American Songbook, which here is almost unrecognizable. I don't want you. Come knocking at my door, face seem to give my heart a twist, and I can 
1970, Columbia Records released a collection of previously released material, and they called it simply Leslie. But there were one or maybe two new songs released for the first time on that album. Here is the Lennon-McCartney song, And I Love Her, or as it's called here, And I Love Him. I give him all my love That's all I do And if you saw my love You'd love him too I love him He gives me made a number of other sort of one-off releases. She even recorded an album for Motown in 1975, but I find the material not all that compelling, so I'm not offering anything from that today. But in 1972, she made a record under the aegis of Dionne Warwick for her Sunday label called Try to See It My Way. And I think it is a dynamite recording. And I'm going to offer you just one song from there. It's by Stevie Wonder and Ivy Hunter, and it's called Loving You is Sweeter Than Ever. You see what she could have done as a soul diva here. I think she absolutely had it in her. I remember just before we met, with every night and day I had to live a life of a lonely Love me. 
participated in television history. That was, of course, her appearance in the 1977 miniseries Roots, in which she played the role of Kizzy. This was another path-breaking contribution and something that absolutely changed the face of television for all time. It's sort of outside the scope of this episode, but it really needs to be acknowledged and praised to the skies. She did not make many films, but just the other day I watched a 1972 film called Black Girl, directed by Ossie Davis, in which she plays a significant supporting role. And it is a fantastic movie. It's on YouTube, People, watch it, watch it, watch it. If you haven't seen it, you will love it. Now, throughout the 1980s and beyond, Leslie Uggams continued to appear in a variety of television specials, guest appearances, everything from The Muppet Show to Julie Andrews's Step Into Spring special. And she's wonderful in all of them. One performance from this era that I really love her in is in a duet opposite Andy Gibb, the younger brother of the Bee Gees, in a song that was written for him by his brothers. And this is from a 1983 TV special called Salute, Andy Gibb. And here are Leslie Uggams and Andy Gibb himself in Rest Your Love on Me. Again, I just think she wails on this. Saw you in the corner On the moment I walked in Saw your lonely face Across the room Now I won't forget And the way it might have been Why did you have to leave So soon You know, I hate to think that someone could have loved you more than me. And if I was there, I'd be right by your side. Lay your troubles on my shoulders, put your worries in my pocket. Rest your love on me, Oh, I, 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 
alongside all of these television appearances, Leslie Uggams continued to appear on the Broadway stage from the 1980s through the 2000s. Apart from the aforementioned Jerry's Girls review, she also starred as Patti LuPone's replacement in Anything Goes, which was such an enormous hit at the Lincoln Center Theater. She starred in August Wilson's play, King Hedley II, one of his series of 10 plays, one for each decade of the 20th century. For her performance as Ruby, she was nominated for a Tony Award. She also appeared in the revival of Thoroughly Modern Millie. She starred opposite James Earl Jones in a revival of On Golden Pond, and she has been very active on the cabaret scene as well. So this part of her career has remained a vital part of who she is as a performer. I listened to a number of interviews in preparing for this, including some from as far back as the 1980s, in which she describes herself as not having been a very vocal advocate for civil rights, not in the way that Poitiers, Belafonte, and Eartha Kitt were, for instance. But in recent years, she has become much more outspoken in her support of crucial movements like Black Lives Matter and an initiative called Black Theater United. I love that she has found her political voice and that she speaks so strongly to these issues. But if you look back, even in 1968, before she replaced the Smothers Brothers, when they were fired from television for their stance against the Vietnam War, she made a recording that's virtually unknown of a little-known song that is a powerful indictment of war in general, but the Vietnam War quite specifically. This is a song called Home, and listening to this, I was simply brought to tears. Let it never be said that Leslie Uggams didn't put her money where her mouth was, even in those early years in the 1960s.
Uggams has done over the years is a lot, a lot, a lot of regional theater. She's appeared as Mame. She's appeared as Mama Rose. She has appeared as Dolly. She has done an enormous amount of regional theater. And bless her for that is all I can say. I was so lucky to find the other day a recording from the year 2008 of her appearance in Houston as Dolly Levi in Hello, Dolly. For her appearance in this part, Jerry Herman asked if she could insert a song that he had written specifically for Ethel Merman when she took over the part of Dolly. It's called Love, Look in My Window. It's a song that's not done terribly often, but Leslie Uggams did it brilliantly, brilliantly in Houston in 2008. And even though the sound is not fantastic, I'm so thrilled to share this with you. Thank you. 
Our final Leslie Uggams selection today is from a 2003 release of the songs of Marilyn and Alan Bergman. Marilyn Bergman died quite recently at the age of 93. She and her husband, Alan, wrote lyrics to an amazing panoply of songs, many of them set to music by Michel Legrand. They only wrote one Broadway musical, which was not terribly successful, but so many of their songs have a very specific narrative to them. And that is also true of this, the title track of Leslie Uggams's 2003 recording, On My Way to You. I have been so happy to bring this incredibly vivid and vital and, yes, hardworking artist to your attention. I hope that maybe I made you aware of some aspects of her work which maybe you weren't familiar with before. I wish her ongoing health and success and happiness. And of course, I wish that to all of you, my dear listeners, as well. So often as I wait for sleep, I find myself reciting the words I've said or should have said like scenes that need rewriting the smiles I never answered doors perhaps I should have opened souls forgotten in the morning I relive the roles I've played, the tears I may have squandered, the many pipers I have paid along the roads I've wandered. Yet If I 
my dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach.